Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, I'm Trent Rush. This is Brandon Marsh, the Los Angeles Angels and 66ers baseball. This is Joe Adele here with the Los Angeles Angels. I'm Tori Hunter Jr. You're listening to the All Angels Podcast. Angels fans, this is Daniel Garcia from the All Angels Podcast in Halo Haven. Um, we're going to still do a regular podcast, and not to worry, it's just me right now, but um, kind of the same thing that happened with Victor Rojas. We just did an interview, and it was really good um, that we figured, you know what, let's throw it out there and kind of be like a bonus episode of the All Angels podcast. Our, our guest this week was NFL Network's fantasy analyst, Adam Rank. I know what you're thinking, fantasy football, don't worry, he's a huge Angel fan. Um, goes to a ton of games, knows what he's talking about. So I was lucky enough to just get done talking to him um, about the season, about a bunch of stuff, Angels-related, and then kind of, you know, uh, his upbringing, being an Angels fan and everything like that. So, um, again, the, the interview was super good, so we wanted to play it now. Um, we're still going to do our regular podcast in a couple of days, so keep on lookout for that. This is going to be our bonus interview podcast for this week and you know we'll try to do this from time to time if we feel like an interview is really good and it kind of deserves its its own little um you know its own little podcast so hopefully we get more of these out throughout the year but before i play that interview i just did um i like to take a second to introduce our newest friends from SeatGeek. let them take the confusion out of your ticket buying experience instead of shopping shopping dozens of sites to find the best deals let SeatGeek do the work for you their app scans the web for the best deals to your favorite game, concert, or show, and rates them on a scale of 0 to 10 to let you know if you're getting the best bang for your buck. A green dot may, means it's a good deal, a yellow dot means it's an okay deal, and a red dot means eh, not so good. Use the promo code ACAA at checkout to receive $20 off your first purchase. That's two free beers at a stadium on, on them, on SeatGeek. What are you waiting for? The promo code again is ACAA for $20 off your first purchase. SeatGeek, the life has, life's an event. We have the tickets. So again, here is our interview or my interview with NFL Network's Adam Rank. All right, our next guest on the All Angels podcast is someone where if you listen to his job title, you probably don't realize that he's a, an Angel fan. Um, our next guest is NFL Network's fantasy analyst, Adam Rank. Hey, Adam, thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. Anytime I have the ability to, or I should say, I have the ability to talk Angels baseball and people are actually requesting it, that's actually a good thing. Because usually it's me just interjecting myself into conversations. People don't want me in, and I'm just talking Angels baseball anyways. But this is a delight to be able to actually be asked to talk about the Angels. Yeah, I mean... I'm a football fan also, so obviously I knew, knew from that, but then following you like on Twitter and Instagram, and you, you know, you post stuff every once in a while about Angels baseball, you see yourself at Angel Games, so it's like, oh, you know, it's like I said, something you don't think about, but then when you start following you on social media, you know, it's like, oh, wow, he's an Angel, and he's an actual, like, Angel fan, Angel fan, too, not just someone just kind of watches here and there. Yeah, we, uh, we go to a lot of games, and it's weird. I, I think that there's a large following, especially if you're a, you know, a football fan or a fantasy enthusiast or anything like that. You think of like, oh, this guy's originally from Chicago, so it should be 
that I'm rooting for the Cubs or the White Sox, right. but it's kind of a little bit of a shock to the system when it's like, oh, wait, you're an Angels guy? How did that happen? Yeah, exactly. And that kind of leads me into my first question. When, when <laughs> did you become an, an Angel fan? Was it when you were younger? Was it you know, when you came to California? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I was born in Chicago. I lived there until I was in about four or five. The, the math gets a little bit fuzzy, but for <laughs> as long as I can remember, I've been living in Southern California. I grew up in Corona, California, went through, you know, actually first grade all the way through high school at Corona High, went to Cal State Fullerton. So I'm a local person. The only problem is, is that we had a football team that left when I was a kid. So <laughs> there was a, there was a void, you right. know what I'm saying? So I was, a so my parents are, are big Bears fans and everybody in my family likes the Bears and. I would always get harassed because I was the only one who wasn't a Bears fan. So when there was an opportunity for me to, you know, seamlessly become a become a Bears fan and not have to really ruin, you know, any Southern California <laughs> ties, I took advantage of that. But for the Angels, you know, I've just been I've been going to games forever. My my neighbors had Angel season tickets. Actually, they had Rams and Angels, but. They had Angel season tickets, so I've been going there forever. It's my home stadium. It's the one that I grew up going to all the time. I don't even – I know that I've been to Wrigley Field. I don't remember it, but Angel Stadium, for as far as I know, that's my that's my place. Yeah. Do you have, like, a, a first memory of Angel Stadium, like, when you were younger? Was it, you know – like, for me, for example, the first thing I remember when I think of when I'm going to Angel Stadium isn't necessarily, like, the game itself, but um, – kind of like the souvenirs and the programs that I wanted my parents to give me every time we went. Oh, hundred percent. That was always a big thing. You see, when you, when you got a chance to stop at the souvenir shop or anything like that, I remember when I was a kid too, they would have Easter baskets and it's apropos that Easter just passed <laughs> yeah. the, moment, you know, the other day is that they would have these Easter baskets, but your, your basket would actually be a batting helmet. You know, obviously the plastic one that you kind of get nachos out yeah, of right. now. Mm -hmm. But that was the first thing I remember getting is one of those hard hats and going around. We'd play baseball in the front yard, and we'd always put those hats on and emulate everybody's batting style or everybody's batting stance. And I do remember my neighbor, she took me to a game when I was when I was super young, and Don Baylor was playing, and she had tickets in club, or they had tickets in club level, and she was – she was adamant that Don Baylor was going to hit a home run into this one spot over the left field fence and called it, like absolutely called it. And I, I was floored. I'm like, I thought, I'm like, how does she know? And he drilled one to left field and she called the home <laughs> run. And that was really one of the first memories I have of going to Angel Stadium. And plus my mom was a real estate agent. So she always got tickets too. So it was just one of the, actually, you know, what's funny is when the Rams were playing there, right. We had tickets. We had tickets for a Rams Vikings game. I'm pretty sure it was the Vikings, and the Rams won on a goal line stand. And I remember the people behind us spilt their beers all over me, <laughs> and I got so uh, we were over. We we're over what would what would have been section. I think it was aisle nine back at this time. Uh, it's about section one. Oh, I want to say it's like 113 now. Actually, it's a little bit further, probably like 119. Okay. So no, about 113. Yeah, about 113, which was aisle nine back in the day. And I remember going home and this guy, this title agent who had taken me to the game was like, I, I don't know how I'm going to explain to your mother that I'm bringing her pre-team home smelling like alcohol, but hopefully we won't get in too much trouble. So I always have memories of that, like little random things and the right. Cosmo beers and all that stuff. And when they put in the home of the bigger A and all that, all that stuff okay. that was going on, it was, uh, you know, there's a lot of memories just kind of mixed in there, and it all just sort of – it's sad that it's all running together, but I'll never forget the, the Don Baylor call on that home run that went exactly where my neighbor, Mrs. Mendy, called it. Yeah, that's exciting too when you're just like, oh, yeah, they don't know what you're talking about and at a young age. Like, whoa, what – like, did you, do you know something I don't kind of deal? Yeah. Um, you know, going go, – Yeah, for sure. Going now to Angels Now – um, you know, with the manager change at the end of last season and, and, and Brad Austin's coming in, what was kind of like your pre, like your, you know, spring training preseason kind of feel about the team? I was excited. You know, I, I honestly feel that this team is headed in the right direction. I remember, you know, I spent a lot of time, I'm an idiot. I go onto the Facebook 
groups and all that stuff, and you can probably find me there as well. And I was I was the one who was the most optimistic to where I would get so upset at anybody suggesting that Trout was going to leave the team. I knew it. I had called it the, the exact – and I don't – listen, I get stuff – like, you want to watch me do fantasy football. I get stuff wrong. Like, I'll admit it. I'll wear it. I was wrong about Keenan Allen. I've never been right about Melvin Gordon or anything like that. <laughs> but I absolutely called – what was going to unfold with Mike Trout? I knew it. I just said they just have to wait for Machado and Harper to sign because he has to make more money than those guys. And then he's going to sign a long-term deal because he's not going to go through two years of his life answering questions about like, eh, I don't know if I'm going to go to school or whatever. Nobody wants to live like that. Right. So I knew I knew it was going to happen before the season two. I wasn't even sweating it. So I was optimistic, you know, and there's a lot of cool things that are going on with this team. And, and Trout obviously sees this. And even though Otani was going to miss some time at the beginning, you're like, okay, Otani will be back at some point. And this is before Upton got hurt right. and before Joe Adele got hurt. And so you're like, okay, there's some things that can happen. You know, if these, the pitching staff can stay healthy and we kind of get these guys going and rolling in the right direction, this has kind of a, not like a necessarily a 2002 feel, although people will always go back and point to it. But you think about like, oh, like the Aaron Seeley and Kevin Apier moves weren't lauded as – World Series clinching moves, but they were solid. And he thought, like, perhaps Cahill and Matt Harvey could do something similar to that. So I was pretty fired up about the team. And even though things aren't going as we had hoped right now, I'm still ridiculously optimistic about the way this this, this franchise is heading. Yeah, so am I. I still think it's in, you know, I see you on Twitter, we're on Twitter, and like, like you said, those Facebook message groups, and it's just like people are – freaking out like it's hard to just tell them hey it's april you know as we record right now it's april 22nd it's like a tenth of the season is barely passed or anything like that so yeah i think optimism is still a good thing to have right now especially with everything's so new in this season yeah and it's crazy too and i know that you know on the monday that we recorded this we both, I think we both got into it with some idiot on Twitter who's like, that. I can't believe that they're not yeah. surrounding Trump with Ortona. <laughs> like, what are you talking, like, you don't think Otani's good? Yeah. You don't think Justin Upton's good? Like, look at the Yankees roster. Like, the, the, the scrubs that they're starting in the outfield. That would be akin to just going out and be like, I can't believe they're not surrounding Judge with more talent, even though Judge is hurt right now. But... It's ridiculous. Like right. the it, guys are hurt. It's not like the Angels don't make moves. Like right. they make moves. Be like, well, their pitching's terrible. It's like, look, you're not going to go spend a bunch of money on Dallas Keuchel when you have Canning and Suarez in the minor leagues. Or like, well, those two guys are going to help. I'm like, how are how are they not going to help? Like, how is like? What do you mean? These guys are top 100 prospects in baseball. Of course they're going to help. Why would you? Oh. It's, my friend actually texted me, and he's like, stop driving yourself crazy <laughs> trying to deal with these people, and just it, it, you're never going to win. Like, I know. I get, I, every once in a while, I get into a mood. I think it was because I saw that Justin Bohr was trending, and I wanted to uh, find what was up. I thought, like, did they release him or something crazy like that? But no, I, it was because somebody had... Somebody found the film from Friday night and had to show it. Like, it was brand new. Today. Right, like, that I'm like, wasn't... Oh, okay, so we got to wear this. Like, that wasn't all over the, I guess, Angel Twitter uh, that night. Yeah, this was, yeah, like, we were upset about it three days ago, and then everybody just found out about it today. You're like, <laughs> oh, great, I've got to relive this moment. I, and it was weird. I think we were, we were both there, right? Like, you were there on that Friday night. Fr- I was well. there Friday and Saturday, yeah. And the, yeah, and then, oh, yeah, that's right, because you did the 5K. And the stadium, when that, when Trout hit the home run, the stadium was fired up. Oh, like, yeah. Electric. Yep. I was down in 109. It was fun. We had a lot of people still there. Like, they, we were still packed in. You know, everybody was there having a good time. You're like, okay, I'm feeling this. We're going to turn it around. We got a runner on base. And I'm like, okay, yeah, because like, Pujols got on. So they put in Goodwin, who should have been starting anyways. We can talk about that later. But <laughs> And then – and then, and then he, oh, he just didn't run it out. And I, he seems, I'm appreciative that he owned up to yeah, it. Yeah, he wore it. He, the music. Yeah, he definitely wore it in the post game. He was there front and center and answered any questions about it. I was listening to him on the way home that night. And yeah, he, he, he didn't dodge it, which I thought was a real cool um, play by him. It really was. 
and I will give him credit for that. But it's like, dude, that's the second time you've had to do that. So, because obviously they had that incident in Chicago, right? And I'm like, okay, you you got to kind of clean that up now. Like you get no more. Like it's cool. Like I appreciate you that you're not ducking it or hiding from it or anything like that. But it's like, you, it's fine that you wear it, but also how about just not doing it? That's, <laughs> We need to come to that point in our lives where you're not doing it anymore. We, we, you kind of went uh, going back a little bit. You kind of mentioned the whole Dallas Keuchel thing. How much of that have you gotten? Because we, as a podcast, and we as on Twitter, that's almost anytime there is a bad start by a pitcher, we get sent pictures of what about this guy and it's Dallas Keuchel. What do you? What are your thoughts about that? It's really one of the. I don't know. It just seems so risky to invest so much money into pitching like that, you know, especially with the demands that he had, even though that he'd been doing pretty well, obviously during the course of his career, it's like, I'm not, I'm not ready to throw away a lot of money on a, on a pitcher, you know? And I know that CJ Wilson is too easy to go back and point to, (laughs) but it just seems that those type of moves never really work out. And I, and I know, you know, you look at the way that the bullpen pitched, the first week or two of the season where they were lights out. And, and honestly, that bullpen is still very good. Yeah, I you think know, they're I, still – Butchery is – I think they're still Butchery top three in the MLB, uh, uh, ERA-wise, as of right now. Yeah, they're, it's fine, you know. And I think that, obviously, the Sunday game where Noe Ramirez was getting into a little bit of trouble, giving up some gopher balls. And it's it's a weird type of thing where it's like, if he would have started nibbling and walking batters – then it would have been like, what's he doing? Just throw strikes and let your guys do, you know, what they do. But it was, you know, you were afforded the opportunity. You had a little bit of wiggle room. You go out there and you make those kind of pitches. Obviously, Cody Allen might be a little bit of a different situation mm-hmm. because it seems like the trouble that he ran into during his final season with Cleveland was he was having trouble with his breaking ball, which seems to be the problem right now is that he can't get his breaking ball over for a strike that he's He's got to work on that and kind of develop that. But at the same time, if you if we move to Hansel Robles being the closer, which he kind of should be, with that entrance, like you – Oh, uh, yeah, I'll get to that to later, definitely, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, and it's like, yeah, if you went butchery, Robles, it's just, you know, just getting these guys that are that are starting to pitch longer into games and then that kind of the, – the, the, the problems with the bullpen will suddenly start to go away. So – I think there's room for optimism and there's room for growth right there. But I think ultimately when we get to the middle of the season and these guys can start getting into the sixth and seventh inning of games, we're going to see that bullpen looking pretty lights out. Yeah. That was one of our, my big things too, was um, obviously health hasn't been a, a, a consistent thing for the angels starting lineup. I mean, our starting rotation going back to a few years now with, Haney and Skaggs now in the DL, and then we have JC coming back a little bit later. How do you feel about the pitching staff as is, as is now? Are you worried that they can having trouble staying healthy, or what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean they're not as they're not as healthy as you would like them to be. You know, Tyler Skaggs, we obviously have a lot of high hopes for him. I still think that you know what it's just one of those things. You know, it's the early part of the season. You know, you're just starting to get your groove and starting to get going again, and so. I'm optimistic. I think that once he returns, he's going to be fine. He's going to be a top-of-the-rotation guy. It would be nice if Heaney could come in and, and give us some some help. I don't know. He's the one guy where you're like, I don't know what, how much we're going to get out of him, but I think Skaggs is going to come back and, and dominate. And then Tropiano's getting closer, too. And, again, you know, the two guys down on the farm who are going to come in and be able to, to help out immediately. We just got to let them get through that that first couple of weeks of the season where we don't owe them an extra year of arbitration, which is my, my conjecture of why they're not already at the yeah. big league level. You know, I think that they're going to be fine. You know, it's just, it's just, it's, it's almost unimaginable how many injury problems that they've had, but you know what? You look around major league baseball. I think everybody feels that way. Like every team, every fan of every team, unless, you know, I mean, even, the Dodgers have had to deal with that too. Kershaw just made mm-hmm. his first start a week ago. You know, it's it's one of those things you have to deal with. And so hopefully, you know, I, again, I always go back to being cautiously optimistic about everything. But I do think that there's a lot of talent there. And there's a lot of talent that can win some games. And the one thing that I've been encouraged by 
is that the Angels are now starting to score some runs. Right. They're starting to score some runs with some lineups that don't look great, you know, that you wouldn't necessarily consider, you know, hey, this is, this is, this is, the, this is the lineup that we want out there on the field. And I think once we have Otani on the field, you know, just having one extra hitter in that lineup that you know that you can count on each and every game, each and every plate appearance, that's going to make a world of difference. And it also just helps. It also helps, you know, the, the, the pitching staff of knowing, like, I don't have to be perfect. You know, I can go out there and maybe make a mistake or two, and my offense is going to pick me up. And that's one of the things that I was really encouraged by with that Seattle series. Even if you lose three out of four games, you're getting a lot of production with guys like Listella. You know, he's, he's, a, he's a lightning rod of controversy among, among Angel fans. And you're not getting a lot out of Cozart right now, but Fletcher's hitting well. Goodwin has been amazing. Like, he looks like he's going to be the fourth outfielder once so everything gets settled down and everybody comes back and gets healthy. So, there's a lot of, I mean, listen, it's not exactly how we would have wanted to, to draw up the beginning of the season, but I don't think that there's any reason to think that this team can't compete. What are your thoughts about Fletcher? You brought him up. What, what do you think his, his ceiling is as a player? Like right now, he seems like a very scrappy, dare I say, Darren Eckstein or Darren Erstad kind of player can play all over the place. What do you think his um he kind of his ceiling is? Yeah, I mean, I that's going to be the most obvious example that everybody's going to make, but it's one that's pretty apt. You know, he's like he's that kind of player, and I hate to use the word gritty, but he's somebody <laughs> who goes out there that you know is going to put up some good APs. He's always going to be in the right position to make something happen. He is obviously not going to hit 40 home runs, but he squares up the ball pretty well. He can hit through shifts and things like that. So I'm, I, I thought he was a good player when he was coming out of Cyprus, you know, following him through the papers and through the Orange County Register and everything like that. It's like, oh, this is a fun little little project, local kid with the ability to come up here and make the big club. And it's just one of those things that I would, I know that sometimes when you have players like that, you can feel they would be overexposed if you put them in the lineup every day. But I think that we've seen enough of his at bats to know that his approach is perfect. You know, he, he does, you know, he plays to his strengths. And I think that he's not going to be one of those guys who's going to be overexposed. And I think his slash is going to be pretty consistent with what we've seen so far. And he's, He's going to be somebody that I think ideally you would have at the bottom of the lineup. Like it would be great to have him hitting ninth, kind of reteeing the lineup when we get to the bottom of the order. And I think that at some point you just got to play him at second base and be done with it and not even worry about it. He's got to be the everyday second baseman, and that's the way I would approach it. Yeah, that's that's kind of how we thought. Uh, you know, him being you know an ultimate utility guy, whether that's second, third. Um, somewhere in there, but um, you kind of mentioned it earlier. Uh, and then, if anyone that again follows you on Twitter, on Instagram, or even your your um, podcast, the Adam Rank Podcast, knows you are a wrestling fan. So tell me, the first time you heard Hansel Robles' entrance music, and it was the Undertaker, what was your reaction? I freaked out. I thought it was pretty cool that somebody kind of like it's a perfect it's a perfect theme to kind of you know encapsulate the position. And I think that even people who aren't wrestling fans, when they hear that, they still get that feeling of like, oh, no, here comes somebody to close the door. You don't have to be a wrestling fan. You don't have to know who The Undertaker is. But the music is, is ominous <laughs> enough to where you'd be like, oh, geez, this is, this is setting the tone and this is getting people fired up. And then, of course, you have the wrestling marks like me who are just freaking out like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe somebody... Somebody's doing this because I don't, you know, I don't believe that a lot of there's not enough usage of wrestling themes in baseball. Like my walk up song would be, I don't know if it would be Edge's theme or something. I don't know what it would be, but like you should use more of that stuff and especially the, the theatrics of it all. Right. And that's one of the things that, you know, with the bat flips and everything like that, I think it's it's something cool for baseball to embrace is to be like, yeah, let's be like kind of cool with it. I mean, not that wrestling's cool, but <laughs> hey, let's try something that's a little bit different and get away from the unwritten rules of baseball and all that stuff and just go out there and do something cool and the fans can relate to. And The Undertaker is one of the most, you know, popular wrestlers of all time. So it does hit a lot of the check marks and a lot of the boxes. Yeah, because, I, I, you know, me being a, not so much right now wrestling fan, but, again, I, I was a late 90s, early 2000 kind of wrestling fan growing up. And when I heard that music, 
um, my wife was there and I was freaking out and she's never watched a wrestling match in her life. She didn't understand what was going on. And I had to like, this is, this is where it's from. I, we got home and I started YouTubing all his entrances and this is where it's from. And she's like, Oh, okay. Now it makes sense. But I was, I was in the same boat where it's like, I wasn't really paying attention. The next thing I know that the bell rings, I was like, Oh, I know exactly what's happening now. So that was a real cool little, uh, bonus from going to a game. You hear that, and you're like, wait, did I just hear what I think exactly. I heard the first time? Because he, he was already in the game when they came back from commercial, and he struck somebody out, and they hit the gong. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Was that the Undertaker's gong? Right. I had to rewind it a couple of times. I'm like, I think that it is. Well, see, I, we, I was there because I think they, they did it on that because we went to the first, uh, like, two home games of that, you know, opening series. And so I think that second game of the series was his first game. And that's when I was just like freaking out. And, and I was like, you know, being there live. And I, I, just, I just don't know if, how many other people realize what was going on around me, but I was just freaking out. Oh yeah. I think a lot of people got into it and a lot of people just kind of like, Oh my gosh. And the video, the yeah. video is the hilarious part of it is that it, the video obviously goes on for two minutes because it's during the Commercial. entire warm up period. And people are like, this is a little much. And it's like, you know what? Try being at WrestleMania. This actually goes on five times longer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you say that. I was actually at my co-host's um, uh, house for WrestleMania. He's a big wrestling fan, too. And it's the same thing. I get there. I'm like, so how long is it going for? It's like, uh, probably until like 8 o'clock. I'm like, it's like, you know, 4 o'clock right now. What's going on? He's like, yeah, they're pretty long. I was like, I guess so. So, yeah, those, those, are, those tend to uh, go for a while. Oh, yeah, WrestleMania went past nine Did out it? here. I remember, oh, yeah, I was fast-forwarding through it, you know, because I had gotten a late start call because the Angels were home that day. Yeah. And so I was catching up, and I'm like, how did I catch up? Like, this is, is this, this is still legitimately going on? <laughs> like, thankfully, my, my, my uh, not DVR, but the WWE Network skipped an hour. <laughs> and I caught up, and I'm like, oh, this actually made it worth it because I didn't have to sit through an hour of garbage. So we got to see Kofi Kingston win, and then it started with a women's match. I'm like, oh, this is perfect. This is exactly what I wanted to see. <laughs> I'm sure this is losing all the people who aren't wrestling fans, but listen. No, if they, if they listen to our podcast, they know uh, my co-host, Johnny, he's a big wrestling fan, so it, they're completely used to it by now, so not a big deal. Um, you mentioned it a little bit, and it, and it seems like – Every year we have this conversation as a kind of, I guess, a baseball community, maybe like two, three times every year. But the bat flips, the the bat flips, and then the next time they come up, they drill them in the ribs or, you know, in, in the butt or something like that. And it, it, it seems like it's, it's a conversation every year, and it doesn't seem to be changing any, any you know, it doesn't be, seem to be changing at all. What, what's your kind of feeling about it? You know, I... I like bat flips. I think it's fun. I, I even search out videos from baseball leagues outside of the United States where the bat flips are even more severe or more ridiculous, yeah. more theatrical and everything like that. And the kid from the White Sox, his it wasn't it doesn't even really count as a bat flip. Like he, he, <laughs> he just threw the he threw the bat like it was a javelin. Like it wasn't even. <laughs> It wasn't even a flip. It was just kind of a he, – he tossed it and, and kind of did his thing. And I know that he had a history with the Royals previous to that at bat. So, okay, there's some, there's some juice there. They're a little bit fired up. The thing that the, – the, the, big, the biggest problem that I have with it is that his was excessive. And you have to know that it's excessive, that you have to go to the plate the next time and realize, like, I'm getting drilled. Right. And he was drilled in the buttocks. It wasn't like he was – Head hunting. He didn't hit him in the shoulder. He didn't hit him in the head. He hit him in the butt. That guy, forgive me for not remembering his name, but that guy should have just worn that. And it run to run to first. Like if you want to show out and do your thing, do it. But realize that every once in a while you're going to get drilled in the rear end, and you just have to wear it and you go on. And as long as somebody's not endangering your life, I think it's okay. Like there it is. It it should have been settled right there. It's been. been you have to be such a, like, that's the one, that's almost more offensive to me than the backflips. Is anybody who's hit, whether it's not, like, as long as it's not in the head, it's not the head hugging, it's not a dangerous situation. You're not throwing it at somebody's hands. That's bad, too. But, like, the rear end is, like, an acceptable place. 
Like you just sometimes you just have to take that. Like this, okay, that's what you did. Okay, you showed off. Okay, I mean I don't know. That was kind of you know obviously I never played at that level, but it's just one of those things that hey you know if you if you're gonna run your mouth a little bit realize somebody's gonna come at you as well and you're not hurt you're fine like nothing was damaged nothing's broken just take your base and be done with it. Yeah. But I also do like you know I like bat flips. I like. When pitchers pump their fist yeah. after, you know, they strike somebody out, if it's a big moment. And believe it or not, it was Alex Rodriguez who made a pretty great point about it on Sunday Night Baseball is that he understood that he was Alex Rodriguez and he was one of the, you know, biggest names in baseball, baseball history. And that when people struck him out, they were probably going to be excited. And he's like, as long as the guy wasn't staring me down, or, you know, walking me back to the dugout. They just kind of did their fist bump, walked around the mound, did their thing. Like, A-Rod said he was on to the next at-bat, and I think that more players need to be on to the next at-bat. Whether you're, you know, you have the strikeout, you had a fist pump, fine, go on to the next at-bat. Your bat flip, fine, go on to the next at-bat. But if you're going to be excessive about it, then you're going to have to face the consequences at some time, at some point, and I feel like that White Sox, why can't I think of his name? Um, yeah, is it I, Tim? Uh, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever his name is. Listen, you were fine. You got hit in the butt. Just run the first. Like, it's fine. I, I'm all for your, not even bad. I'm all for your javelin toss. Yeah. So I didn't feel it was too bad. Like, I didn't need to start a brawl. But it's like, hey, you got to, you want to play that game? You gotta pay the you gotta pay the you gotta pay the dues sometimes. So yeah, that's my, I don't know. I, I love bat flips though. Yeah, that's my whole thing too. I like the bat flips. I like all the, for fun. Yeah, I'm all, I like the passion. I like and you were kind of saying with the whole pitchers, you know, with the fist pump. And Marcus Stroman actually came out and they asked, you know, they always go around and ask everyone the same question. But he kind of said the same thing as far as you know, if if, you, if you're gonna bat flip, that's my fault for getting up the home run. But if you come up next inning and I strike you out and I do, you know, a fist pump or whatever, then you can't get mad at that either. And I'm kind of the same boat where if the pitchers want to show emotion, great. If the hitters want to show emotion, then that's great too. You know, as long as it's kind of like, like you said, as long as you're not staring down the other team or the other guy, you want to do something to get your bench or your team kind of up and going. I, I find nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and I say this as somebody, you know, who's a, who's a, a professional wrestling fan who likes a little bit of the theatrics. But it's like Trout's. Obviously, on Friday night with Trout's home run, he had a little mini bat flip. Yeah. Which for Trout, to, for Trout to do the bat flip, like his bat flip compared to his personality was as if Triple H rode out at the beginning of WrestleMania on a three wheeler with all the things that he goes through, <laughs> or Rusev came down with a tank. That, that's kind of the that's how much that was. But again, he just did it, but it wasn't overdone he mm-hmm. did it and he ran and nobody's going to have that big of a deal and there was there was no call for retribution but when tim anderson i loved it i did love it i mean but it, it was such a like it was so over the i don't know it was over the top but i still appreciated it as long as he would have just won like that's one of the things it's like with justin Bohr about like where you wear something like if tim anderson had just like he knows what he did He's going up there the next time. Like, I would even know. Like, you'd be like, oh, I'm going to probably get this. I'm probably <laughs> going to get hit. I would actually, if I was, you know, if I was in that situation and I had done something like that, read a huge bat flip, I would literally watch up, walk up to the catcher and be like, don't let him hit me in the head. Like, I know <laughs> I'm going to get hit. Just don't hit me in the head. That's the only thing I ask. And then, you know, you get hit in the butt and you're like, fine. And then that was the problem is that he got too, too worked up over it after he got hit like come on like you you can't have it both ways right so i um uh, so i'm pro bat flip i'm not pro head hunting but sometimes you know you need a little justice i guess yeah so kind of going into like and going back into the angel season um as we record this they're starting a series up with the yankees um you know from this point on into the season how are you concerned at all? Like, I guess we kind of said it earlier. Are you worried at all? If you know, if they can't stay healthy, but where is your worry? I don't know. Meter, I guess, be right now. If you know everything, you know everything's going on. Well, you know what's funny is ever since Trout extended, there's no worries at all. You're like, yeah, <laughs> he's going to be here for 12 years. 
You know, if there was still the looming specter of Trout potentially leaving the Philadelphia or New York or wherever he was going to go, I would feel really panicked right now that we had to make every season count. And not that they're not trying right now, but you have the luxury. You're playing with house money of, like, we don't have to make this all happen right now. And mm-hmm. I think the date that when Epler took over and looking over the farm system that was left behind by, uh, oh, my God. The Poto. I'm really great with names today. With, uh, but when he, when he came in, I think when Epler came in, he looked at the situation, realized that the farm system was kind of bankrupt. Some considered it not only the worst in baseball at the time, but perhaps the worst of all time. Oh, yeah. And then, you know what? He, he had to have a time of like when this was going to get turned around because it's obviously not going to be turned around in a day. So he started drafting more guys out of high school, guys who are real rangy like Joe Adele, who had toolsy guys. And so I think that it was one of the things that, you know, you just kind of set it up like, hey, 2020, even though you don't want to write off 2019, but you're like, 2020 is when a lot of these guys are going to start arriving and being a part of this program. And so I think that, you know, there's a little bit of a luxury in that. And so even though I'm not ready to write off 2019, and I certainly don't want to, especially with the wild card situation, like it's easy. This team obviously has the potential to get hot. We've seen them streak both good and bad. So, you know, as, as easy as they lost six games, they could reel off six consecutive wins. So not writing it off, but I'm certainly not panicked. I just would like to see, you know, guys running, running pop-ups out, <laughs> playing solid defense and doing the right things. And if you give up a couple of home runs and, you know, somebody beats you, somebody beats you. But, you know. Play ball the right way and do it. I think that the the farm system's coming along. Jerry Depoto, of course, is the, yeah, the previous gen. And that and it almost kills me to see Seattle doing because so well. he's there. I'm sitting there watching that. Line. I'm watching it and I'm like, what is that? Like Seattle, I, I it's weird to to watch a team and the, the the Mariners have now won five games over the Angels this year, and you're like. I'm still not impressed by that. I'm so sorry. I know that I I love Mitch Hanniger, but the other guy, the the, the Jared Fogelbacher, who has, like I don't understand <laughs> why he gets all these calls. I'm like, what is happening? Like, I've seen Trout get rung up during this series, but this career minor leaguer who's like 38. He's built like the dude from the HBO show Eastbound and Down, <laughs> and that guy every. Getting every borderline pay. I'm like, where does he? What has he done in baseball to where he's got like he's Will Clark reincarnated? We're like, hey, <laughs> if he's not swinging, it's obviously not a straight. The board. I'm like, I don't get it. I I don't get it. So when you when you have the you know the luxury of not not having to swing because they're not going to call a strike on you, it seems like it makes it easier. I don't know. Is his dad an umpire? I don't know what it is. I don't know what his story is. <laughs> I was offended by this guy. Yeah, that was pretty crazy. The Jared Fogelbrock, whatever, whatever his name is. <laughs> these other guys. Oh, and walking. Oh my gosh, it was it was frustrating. And you're watching these scrubs. God, they're not. I don't know. It, it again, it makes me sound like a terrible fan to be like, I'm not. Imp- I'm not impressed by this team that's clubbing the ball all over the field and leading the major leagues in home runs. <laughs> I know that makes me very precious to say that kind of stuff. But you have to realize, like, they're going to regress, right? Oh, like, yeah. We're not, not even – right? By the all-star break, they're going to be gone. Like, we're not going to have to worry. I'm not saying that we're going to be any better. But I, I can guarantee you by the all-star break, Seattle is not going to be in contention. Yeah, because, I mean, you look at their defense and you look at their defensive stats and their offense – or their um... – they're pitching. I mean, yeah, they gave they hit eleven runs, but they also let the Angels back in after being up, you know, ten to two. So obviously, their pitching staff is also something they need to work on. And defensively, is, is they're just not very good at all. So yeah, I'm with you on that one. And by the way, is there any team? And I guess you know we we watch the Angels more than anything. But I've never seen like the 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 shift never works out for the Angels. Like it, you shift on one of our our batters. A hundred percent chance that he's going to ground out into the shift. Conversely, our 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 shift has about a a thirteen percent success rate. Like I've awful. never seen like everybody. Jay Bruce, right? What was that on Thursday night? Was it on Thursday or no? Was no, it that Friday? was Friday. Was like, oh, no, it was, no, it was Thursday. Oh, no, it was Thursday because that's the comeback game. Yeah, that was the comeback game on Thursday. Yes. 
And it was, it's one of those things where you're like, how, okay, how is Jay Bruce, of all people, like this is a serious thing. Like you have a team with, with Tim Beckham as the shortstop, right? Like he's the, the team, I think he's a shortstop who, would he walk on on Friday? Because that was, I think, Noe's last batter. The guy who came up who's batting a buck 98. The only Mariner who's not hitting home runs, and you walk that guy, you're like, okay, this is, this is exactly what I needed to see. We've seen enough. <laughs> Uh, it was frustrating and everything like that. Like, I think that, like, seriously, Vogelbach, he has to be 45 years old. <laughs> and he's he's a rookie somehow, if I'm not mistaken. He doesn't even have, he doesn't, he's not a, he's not a position player. No, he's a D8, yeah. No, that, he's a D8 and he's 39. Here you go. Got to gotta make it somewhere. That up. I don't know. I don't mean this in a bad way. Like, he's made it to the major leagues, so I'm happy for him. But come on, why is he getting every call? Yeah, there's just some... Edgar Martinez. All of a sudden, he gets every pitch. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just frustrating sometimes. You see that as as you know as Angel fans and everything like that. But I guess that's part of a. I, like, well, if I'm the commissioner, I'm like I listen. I know you probably shouldn't do this, uh, and I would say unless it's egregious, and you have to do it. Try not to call Trout on on strike. I'm just saying, like I know you don't want to. I know you don't want to cheat for somebody. You don't want to be Nick Patrick in the NWO. But if it's someone, maybe Trout should get the benefit. We're, we're trying to attract new exactly, fans. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. Perhaps. I'm just saying that the the same pitches that you're giving Dan Vogelbach, you should probably give Trout the same pitches. I I know it's weird. And it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a weird kick that I have, but that's just my way of thinking. Oh yeah, I, I agree with you completely. That that makes sense. Yeah, Charles definitely earned it. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you know, go ahead and tell the people where they can find you on Twitter and on 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 Instagram. Nobody's listening. I mean, they've given up on me. They're like, who is this guy <laughs> ranting and raving about nonsense? No. I'm the most pessimistic optimist ever. That's a good way to it. But if you do want to check me out, you can you can follow me on, on Twitter, at Adam Rank. It's very simple. I'm there, you know, hanging out with the hashtag LTB. By the way, every Angel fan, and i got to get the Angels social media team on board with this, is that in, in Roger Lodge as well, it's like, LTBU. Everybody use that hashtag after a win. It trends. I don't know if it trends nationwide, but I know it trends for sure in Southern California. We got to make sure that we hit that one up as much as possible every time the the Angels win. And somehow, somehow the the Astros were able to appropriate Ric Flair, and so the Ric Flair gifts no longer seem to have any sort of currency because. You know, every team wants to use it now. So let's start using Undertaker gifts. There you go. Yeah. In addition to the LT, LTBU. Oh, this makes sense. Like, yeah. we've got a tie-in now, and perhaps the Undertaker will be our guy. You can also follow me on Instagram. That's Adam Rank NFL. That's more NFL stuff. That's right. kind of NFL-y. Although you'll see photos of me and my kids sitting in Section 347 on Sundays. So that's a lot of fun, too. Or Facebook.com slash Adam Rank. We'll hang out. We'll do all that stuff for the Adam Rank podcast if you like fantasy football. And all that stuff, I always sneak in Angels references and things like that. And people are like, oh, yeah, that's kind of cool. So that's my story. <laughs> now, that's awesome. And, and just so – has any – you know, you being a fantasy football guy and fantasy football being so huge, have you had any – you know, maybe not angel players, but any MLB players or anyone other athletes come, you know, maybe send you a message and kind of ask for advice on Twitter or, on, you know, even on Instagram or anything like that. I don't want to blow up anybody's spot. First of all, I'm friends with Tyler Skaggs because when I was the okay. host of Madden NFL Live, mm-hmm. he came on the show. He was on Fantasy and Friends. So we're pretty friendly. We talked to him. We interviewed him before spring training. Talk- yeah. Great guy. You would. I don't want to blow up anybody. I don't want to. I feel like I would be giving away state secrets, <laughs> but you would be surprised at some of the names in in Major League Baseball who've reached out to me to ask me fantasy advice. MLB players are really into fantasy. Oh yeah. And so some of the biggest names, some of the biggest names, every biggest. <laughs> names have reached out to me, so I'll just leave it at that. And I, and listen, I'll tell you what, 
Tyler's still my number one guy. That's the guy who gets all the good stuff. So any player, I don't care who it is, if they reach out to me, I, I will be happy to let them give them any advice that they need. But Tyler Skaggs is still my number one guy, and he's going to get the best stuff. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. I always wonder about that, you know, trying to reach out and get some, because I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, I don't know, but I'm guessing there's probably some pretty lucrative uh, leagues going on in uh, other sports, baseball, basketball, and all those other ones. Yeah, I never want to know how much money they're playing for, because that'll just give me a stomachache. <laughs> but they, yeah, baseball players love it, and it's very fun, and it's cool. Like, I was, uh, I had the opportunity one time to go down last year to go to the Angels. Uh, I did a little story on Mike Trout, so I was there in the clubhouse, and I was hanging around the dugout before the game while they're doing batting practice. And it was cool. Like, Eric Kinski came up and talked to me a lot of guys and like Alex Curry's into fantasy football as well. So he's really good at it. So it was cool. Like you, you don't really know until you know, and then you're like, wow, like everybody is into this thing. So it's kind of cool. So it has had afforded me a couple of good opportunities for sure. Nice. That's great to know. I want to thank you again for coming on and, and spending some time and taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, just talk angels baseball and just kind of baseball in general. It was awesome. Well, thank you. I want to apologize to everybody who had to endure that, and uh, <laughs> hopefully that they come back for another one. Listen, they're not all like this, but no. Uh, but no, thank you. I've, uh, I, I always appreciate the opportunity to talk about the Angels, and if I haven't burned my bridge, then perhaps we can do it again sometime. Oh, definitely. Yeah, we're definitely going to have to meet up at a, like you said, you go to Angel Games all the time. I'm about at 20 or so per year, so we have to uh, try to meet up one time. Do it. I'd love that. Awesome. So let's, uh, let's make that happen. And again, I want to thank Adam Rank for taking time out of his schedule. You know, NFL drafts around the corner. He's a busy guy. So um, for him to take some time out of his busy schedule and talk Angel baseball with us was really cool. And again, if you didn't catch it on the interview, uh, follow him on Twitter. It's at Adam Rank and on Instagram. And it's at Adam Rank NFL. And then definitely check out his Adam Rank podcast. Um, I'm guessing the same place you listen to this is the same place you can listen to that because I know I have it on my iPhone. So I definitely know it's there. But I'm guessing Spotify users, um, it's there for you. Google Play, I'm guessing it's there for you too. But again, just wanted to give you guys a, uh, an interview podcast because I feel like it went really, really well. Um, definitely look out for the regular podcast Wednesday. Um, with me and Johnny, everything's going to be normal. We're going to be taking your questions, going over the weekend review, poll question, and everything like that. So, um, again, just want to thank Adam Rank for his time. Since we started the show, I've asked, I got asked a whole bunch of questions about who to bet on and who to bet with. I don't always know who's going to win, but I do know where to go. That's my bookie. Between their live in-game betting, endless props, and fantasy sports wages, there's something for everyone. With the best player perks in the sports book business, they've been good to us, and I know they'll be good to you. They're hooking up our listeners up all month. Visit mybookie.ag and use the promo code ANGELS when creating your account to claim your 50% bonus. When you lay down $100, you'll get an extra $50 in play. That's mybookie, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E dot A-G, promo code ANGELS. You play, you win, you get paid. Again, want to thank all you guys for listening. We are going to be back Wednesday, like a normal podcast. But again, we're just trying to give you guys a little extra, a little extra something to uh, get you through the week. But thanks again for listening, and we will see you in a couple days. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. 
This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.